after Jim died. Reflecting on his last day and what she'd seen him go through and what she'd seen him say and heard him say, Kathy did what she does so very well, she wrote. In this case, she wrote a poem. It's called, I Am Tired. I'm tired. Oh, so tired. There's so much I want to do. There's so much I want to see. Every little thing I do takes so much energy. I'm tired. Very tired. My legs don't want to walk. My favorite foods taste strange. My days are spent at doctor appointments. And I am so very tired. Just let me rest a while. Take a nap. Re-energize. Then I will go again. Right now I need to rest. I'm so very tired. And Jesus said, come my son. Rest in my arms and I will take you home. Close your eyes. Your work is done. Rest in me and you will tire no more. Come and take your rest. I was thinking that it seems almost odd to, to me to say that when I got the phone call that Jim had died, it felt so unexpected. It felt like he had died so very suddenly and I so hadn't seen it coming. It seems almost odd because the fact is there were a lot of things Jim was dealing with on the health front, some of them for decades and some very serious things these last three years. But that's the thing, right? There were always things that he faced. But he always, every time before, faced them through. Always he came home again. Always he rallied again. So I know I wasn't the only one who just almost naturally assumed he would do so again this time. But this time he didn't. This time, indeed suddenly and very unexpectedly, he died. And we need to grieve that. We are here to grieve and we are here to support those whose grief is deepest and whose plans were so unexpectedly changed from planning to see him on Father's Day, to abruptly having in your life the first ever Father's Day with him gone. We grieve. We need to grieve. And we are here, and you, and we are here to support those whose grief is deepest because their love for him and their love from him and for him was deepest. And we need to remember him as we will today and as we will keep doing as his family and his friends, as his congregation, his family of faith. As people of faith, however, even as we grieve, we remember more than only memories. We remember the presence of Jesus, which does heal and comfort. And we remember the promises of Jesus, which even now, precisely now, give us hope, which not even death can take from us. Faith for Jim Goddard was a lifelong part of the journey. He was born, baptized, raised, and confirmed into it. And though he wasn't perfect, turns out the God he believed in is a God of grace, 
who loves and forgives imperfect people rather than demanding some kind of religious perfectionism in order to be loved. So no, he wasn't perfect, but he nevertheless his whole life long did value the faith as something to hold to and as something to live by. In high school, he was his congregation's youth group president, Luther League back in those days, and he even served on the synod level as a youth ministry leader. Then he graduated from high school, went to Muscatine Community College, where eventually he met a Methodist. <laughs> and he started trying to work his charms on her. She resisted. He was a year older. Plus, she thought he was dating Marcy. But he kept at it. Started realizing she kind of liked him. She found out Marcy wasn't in the picture anymore. Not to mention, he'd hit, he had a 57 Chevy. <laughs> when she, he invited her to a concert, she said yes. When he said later, how about a movie instead of a concert, she said yes. The movie they went to was The Sound of Music. Those of you Jim's age or so or older will remember that The Sound of Music in the 60s was a phenomenal box office success. It actually stayed playing in theaters for four and a half years. Kathy found out later that it, he had seen it many times before. It was his go-to first date with other girls as well. <laughs> Turns out this wasn't just another girl. This was the one. The one he didn't just take to movies. He raised his game. He took her to church. His church, Grace Lutheran Church in Muscatine, where Kathy was pleased to discover that the man she was coming to love would be a man who would love the Lord with her which she loved. She discovered also that these Lutherans didn't just have hymns that they sang, they had liturgy that, she sang, that they sang, and she discovered a love for that. He took her home to meet his folks, and then later, pretty much every Sunday after church, they'd go home to Jim's folks for dinner, where Kathy learned that her future and mother-in-law's go-to Sunday dinner was pot roast, boiled potatoes, and jello salad. These were Lutherans. And then not completely unexpected, but yet pulled off unexpectedly. The day came, sitting in the 57 Chevy with a hot dog and a root beer outside the dog and suds. And he took a ring from his pocket and asked her to be the one for a lifetime. And she said yes. And you looked forward with joy. And in your home Methodist church, you promised a lifetime to each other, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death would you part. And now we are here realizing that, my goodness, lifetimes go fast. Just shy of 53 years later, it's not love wrapped in joy around which we gather, it is love wrapped in sorrow. For loving and losing hurts so very much. But it is not love and only sorrow. 
For even as you grieve, your hearts are also a place that house love wrapped in gratitude. I know this, you've told me. You're grateful for promises made and faithfully kept for just shy of 53 years, even if those years did go too darn fast. You're grateful for a good life with a good man who was a good and faithful husband, a good and faithful dad, a good and faithful grandpa, a good and faithful friend, who deeply valued and therefore was deeply devoted and loyal to all whom he loved. You're grateful for a man, a dad, and a friend who told you what he thought and believed and stood up for what he thought and believed, but did not demand that you accept all his thoughts or beliefs or even agree with all his thoughts and beliefs. And so, for example, he was a strong Republican who did not demand that his family or friends share those convictions in order to be his family or friend. And he'd shake his head once in a while about some things people did say they thought or believed, and he'd do, I remember him doing this eye-scrunching kind of thing, I don't know, he'd say, I don't get it, but he always tried to get it. I mean, gosh, the world could sure use more of that these days, couldn't it? People who sincerely try to get it when other people do think things that they themselves don't think. So, for example, when he found that Heather, not sharing her father's political convictions, liked to watch The View, he started watching The View so he could have conversations with her and better get her. Same was true about other things, like when Danielle went to culinary school, he started watching cooking shows so he could have conversations with her and better get her. And when Kathy started watching Downton Abbey, he started watching Downton Abbey, same thing. By the way, in that case, Jim uh, kind of showed me up. My wife also started watching Downton Abbey, and her name's also Kathy. And I tried a little bit, but uh, not long enough to get it so, um, or get her joy in watching it. So, Jim, good job. You're grateful, too, for a man who liked people and who liked people watching and who liked discovering connections with people. And both at work and in church, he took a passion about welcoming the people, especially those who might look like they were being overlooked or might feel unwelcome. And you're grateful for a dad who truly did love his girls. Like a lot of dads who earlier on, anyway, most often he didn't say I love you by saying things like I love you. He said, I love you by doing things like teaching you how to drive a straight stick. And you understood eventually this was saying I love you and teaching you making sure your car's oil was changed on time. And you understood this was him saying I love you or calling to tell you that a storm was coming. And you knew this was his way of saying I love you. The word love wasn't used a lot in any of those settings, but it was love that did all those things. And you know this every time. His love for you too never ever forgot an anniversary or a birthday, or a Valentine's Day for any of his girls. Speaking of Valentine's, I know that you're grateful as you think of how grateful he was when he walked you down, both of you down the aisle, smiling about the fact that the men the two of you had come to love were also men he dearly loved. Love, of course, when it comes to this world and the love with which we love does come to the time when it must let go and time does fly. And here that time is now. 
And so with sorrow and gratitude, we remember Jim. We do it with tears sometimes, sometimes with smiles, sometimes, oftentimes with both at the same time. But as we do so, as we grieve, as we lug, as we cry, as we laugh, as we remember Jim and life with him, we remember that as people of faith, we have more than memories. We have the promises of our Lord Jesus Christ, who said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. For I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you will be too. And remembering that, remembering that as people of faith we do have more than only memories, we remember that on Wednesday, June 15, four days before Father's Day, your husband, your father, your grandpa, your brother, and our friend and brother in Christ, Though to our eyes that day he died and was taken from us, in the eyes and in the arms of his Father in heaven, in that same moment, finally and fully, he was healed. And he was healed all the way home to the place where Jesus has prepared and where, following in faith, we will see him again. Amen.